Quiet on the set. Studio of WHUP LP Hillsborough. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour, together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, the past on a pedestal. Musician, writer, singer, producer, composer, pumpkin smasher, James Eha is with us. Murmur is a modern school film program. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, with you for the next hour. Happy to be here. It's a beautiful day. Even if it wasn't a beautiful day, it's great to be here. Uh, Murmur has a website, MSF, uh, sorry, website is murmurradio.com. Social handles, Twitter, Instagram is at MSF Murmur. Also, importantly, send us an email. We'd love to hear that you're listening to us. Murmurradio at gmail.com, murmurradio at gmail.com, and go to iTunes. You can download us, and of course, listen to us every week on whup.org. Welcome. One of um, my favorite ideas to explore, because it's kind of a classic contradiction of, of us uh, culturally and, and me specifically in the sense of uh, the show ironically, is uh, how we look at the past. Uh, we romanticize it, no duh. Uh, we romanticize relationships, we romanticize everything. Places, smells, uh, pictures, faces, frames, chairs, everything is romanticized. Artists and art is romanticized, maybe uh, disproportionate to its source. That said, um, one of the tricks of that is, they're twofold. It kind of ruins our life as much as it enrich, enriches our lives. I know movies have destroyed my sense of love and romance. Maybe not destroyed it, but have uh, warped it. <laughs> uh, and I get my heart broken so much more easily now because of movies and the music I love. And comic books, probably a, a third of that uh, unholy trinity, movies, music, comics, um, in that order. The other part of it, I think, this romanticizing of the past, this pedestalizing of the past, the other part that it sort of queers are people's personal paths in the sense of a professional vocational path, which I think is sort of the height of irony here. We don't allow the artists we love and we revere to change uh, as nimbly as we would expect our day-to-day compadres to change. You know, we expect uh, our filmmakers to make the same great films they've always made. Uh, We expect our musicians to make the same albums that they've always made and never change. So in a way, this pedestalizing of the past, that's that's the contract. That's the Faustian bargain. We, We could admire and love the thing, but you cannot change and it and it's a problem because technology and and uh the realities of life and livelihood change not only with with uh, adults in in the span of a lifetime but 
on a very tangible, modern level. Technology. Look at film. Film has changed. Not only has filmmaking changed in 10 years, it's changed in two years. It's changed in five years. Uh, So we should allow, yes, we should allow. That's not a question. I think we should allow our artists to change and grow and expand. Um, That's one of the reasons I wanted to check in with today's guest, James Eha. I'm always say, tempted to say James Eha of uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and that's you know, kind of my complicity in this phenomenon. You know, he's James Eha, James Eha of, of Smashing Pumpkins. You know, that said, it's not a binary idea. We can live, we can love the past and allow the present, and that's kind of what I'm offering up. This idea of, uh, you know, look at Hitchcock. I always think of, you know, one of his. His second to last, his last film was Family Plot. His second to last film was a film called Frenzy. Frenzy is a film he went back to England to film, and uh, it's it's a fascinating film. It's got one of the most brutal rape scenes of any film, and it's it's odd to see that sort of sexual violence in a Hitch film that gra- that overt non theater of the mind violence in a Hitch film, uh, and you actually see nudity, physical skin and the critics uh, didn't respond to the film now it's not to say everything is good or everything is bad but I think allowing artists allowing Hitch to to do this late in his life because he had changed as a human being and the world had changed Um, and his thoughts about England had changed and England's thoughts about him had changed so there's you know this thing the, the only thing constant has changed so we need to allow that space for change and I think with artists, it's often not allowed. And, and we're in this space now with Comic-Cons and these festivals. And I, I'm, you know, I don't want to use the word guilty, but I'm in this. You know, One of the reasons why I started the Modern School of Film and do the masterclass with teachers uh, is I want to understand my roots, my technical, creative, artistic roots and leanings, and, and what that skill set and what that tool set and what that molecule set means for my life now. And, and it's a struggle in that sense because I think romance is it's like vapor. It feels so real uh, and it, it feels like gasoline, but it also, you know, when you go to grab it, it it's moved on. So I think, you know, when we look at artists and uh, titling and artists who try new things... James Eha, over the last couple of years, has tried his hand, I'll say tried like he's failed, is working as a composer. After many years of working with Smashing Pumpkins and other bands, but, you know, he's about to go back into that swimming pool. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, it looks like the crystal ball is telling us that um, the pumpkins are coming around again. Billy Corrigan, Darcy, and Jimmy seem to be cranking up the machine. But is it a time-traveling device, or is it a X-ray of now? It's complicated. I, I love looking back, but there's an old expression. You can look back, just don't stare. I'm going out with a girl tonight, and she's beautiful, and everybody's in love with her, and she's going out with me. I just want you to get off the dime and think about your future. She's beautiful, and obviously in the middle of some emotional shootout to consent to date the human tater tot. This is 1987. Did you know that a girl can be whatever she wants to be? I know. My mom's a plumber. I'd recommend you keep your eyes and your mind off my property. Cut it out. Bunch of mind your own business. Really, it must be a drag to be a slave to the male sex drive. I didn't say anything about sex. Oh, want to start a book club with her? Anytime somebody from the outside lifts a woman from a guat like Jen's, man, we could all find cause to rejoice. You walk out on me, where are you going to go? 
I want to show this girl that I'm as good as anybody else. I know how you feel. You've been in love before. There's a lot of things you don't know about me. He got a shot to be the first guy in his family who didn't have to wash his hands after a day's work. Break his heart and break your face. Do you miss me, Keith? Do you miss not being around me? This isn't the third grade anymore. Oh, you're only 18 years old. Then I'm 19, then I'm 20. When does my life belong to me? today a murmur uh, about the past putting the past on a pedestal and it's a tricky contract uh, th- the things that start us off you know in art often in art within art we often start as fans and that could be a block towards a three-dimensional understanding of the people who create the works of art and also to our own journey towards being an artist frankly because um, it's hard to be a practitioner if you if you love the thing you attempt to with too much passion it's 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 like a, of mice and men um, but segueing from the literary to the the anti-literary uh, which is me uh, today's guest is someone who has constantly been emerging and changing and that that's sort of an inspiring idea uh, he is a musician a writer uh, a producer um, and you know this idea of how we allow change well w- the agent him or herself changes and today's guest has been changing he's actually added to his resume over the last couple of years he now adds composer to that resume. He actually had one of my old jobs, talking about some of his old jobs. He's, he had one of my old jobs, which was fashion model. Uh, that brings a bit of a nostalgic tear to my eye. Uh, he's so famous in Tokyo that when he went there, uh, fans came up to him and gave him the ultimate sign of, of fame and fandom, a pair of socks. We are honored to have with us here at Murmur uh, all these things and more, Mr. James Eha. Uh, James, welcome. James, welcome to Murmur, man. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Much, much too complimentary. <laughs> hey, do you t- still have those socks? Well, I don't want to uh, ruin the premise Damn. of your la- uh, of the last comment you made, but um, I-, I heard before. We got to Japan, um, or while we were in Japan, that if if you're a big band, big artist in Japan, if you just mention in in a few interviews what you like, and I feel like Japan at that time maybe still is 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 obsessed with things and cute things. You know, you could just mention, oh, I like. A certain brand of chocolate, or uh, like robots, <laughs> or socks, or, or sock wearing chocolate robots. Yeah, or yeah. all all three combined. <laughs> yeah. You you will 
you will get it. You will get it. <laughs> like they will show up at, at a hotel or a gig or whatever it is that you do, and they will get it to you. Which mm. is, um, <laughs> I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one to have received socks. These <laughs> such probably. This is the collateral damage, man, of your career of being being in the the spotlight. Of you know, it's funny looking at your sort of the X-ray of your work, which is amazing and keeps expanding. I want to start simple. Uh, you were you Chicago suburb. Uh, when I think of Chicago suburbs, I guess I've watched too many movies. I actually think of John Hughes. Before I think of uh, Smashing Pumpkins, but uh, were you did, were you into those films? Were you into John Hughes? I mean, that was kind of your time in the mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, I saw those. Um, I saw you know at least one of those, like Saint Elmo's Fire or <laughs> or um, Paris Bueller's Day Off in the theaters. And uh, yeah, you know, high, I, I feel like suburban high schools at that time were sort of like that. They weren't as fun. Maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as the fun, as the fun they had in those films, but it, it was. Uh, I think that was. I think he got the vibe. I, I think he did. You know, it's funny. The one, the, my favorite, which tends to be people's least favorite, he didn't. Hughes didn't uh, direct it, but he wrote it and produced it. Was some kind of wonderful. You know, yeah, I yeah, I love that. Oh man, I wanted. I still want to date Mary Stuart Masterson. I don't. I mean. That whole premise of being like the cool outside, I mean, that's it, man. Like, that is timeless. And yeah, and that was pretty bitching. Yeah, no, that was, that, that was a great one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, Eric Stoltz is no Marlon Brando, but the way the pieces fit together in that movie, and as you say, like, around that time, even with, you know, Fast Times Ridgemont High, the way music and those kind of, like, new wave, it was like new wave movies, you know, it was, it was not French new wave, but it was pop new wave, you know, and those were cool movies. Yeah, I, I was like a, I was also a big fan of uh, Valley Girl. Oh, Nick Cage, Valley I love Girl that with, movie. With Nicolas yeah. Cage. Yeah. And, uh, um, I actually went to a screening recently in um, in, in L.A. where they um, they they brought back one of the cast members and they had the um, um, they talked about the film afterwards and it's it's so great. Oh man, <laughs> such a, it's such a great such a great movie and it um, is that introduced me to the concept of milfs maybe i was late to the dance on that but there's a whole storyline about one of the high school kids who thinks he's sleeping with his girlfriend but like ends up sleeping with her mom not to get into in the weeds about oh this. yeah <laughs> that subplot yeah but who didn't right. want to be that guy i mean not to sound like you know out of turn here but man i still want to be is, that guy <laughs> that, that would that's totally like teenage boy fantasy i think <laughs> the way they, they did a they did a great misdirect with that when it when you when they actually reveal what's what happens with that. But um, it's a hidden gem that movie. I mean it's 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 kind of off of the Chicago suburban <laughs> thing. But it's great, it's a it's a great eighties, you know, kids music, high school, all that. It's it's that's a great one too. Well, just to cherry pick this a little bit, looking at you as as a young man. Not that you're an old man, uh, but mu music and film both seem to be <laughs> both seem to be. Oh, sorry, man. It's going to be that kind of ride. No, but j just to look at it, no. you know, I think music okay. and it seems like music and film. You know, I've heard you talk about your mom literally playing a nylon string guitar, uh, which is an amazing image. But music and film seem to, and as they do for kids, they seem to provide did they provide any kind of escape or was it you know be, i'm not saying the escape from family but being in a philosophically like a boring suburb was that kind of a cool pocket to swim into like movies and music as a lot of kids do oh yeah oh yeah sure i mean <clears throat> i i think the way i'm sure they are but different today but um you know like like that like those movies there were all those types of uh, cliches, uh, groups of people, the geeks, the yeah. jocks, yeah. The, the weirdos, the stoners, the kids who are into cool music, not into cool music, the straight A students, all that. And um, uh, for me, I mean, and my friends at the time, you know, we thought, we, we felt like we were some of the few kids who were into like new wave and you know what we thought was cool music mm. and everyone else 
you know, at that time was into like hair metal or just straight up whatever was the big pop people of that time who are who are great, but they weren't like they weren't like I don't know they weren't like the the Cure, or the REM, or mm. the Smiths, or bands like that, or New Order. <clears throat> so it was definitely like cool to see like films like that and hear, you know, the psychedelic furs in the song in the movie and well, that's exactly right. That that ru- pretty in pink. The rush I mean- of like. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that song. I mean, it, it's like tattooed in in one of the lobes of my brain. I mean, honestly, and that voice, you know, and then you go deeper into psychedelic furs and you hear heaven like films can be kind of the gateway drug. You know, they were for me. I don't know. If yeah, you, well, I, 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 lo- I love psychedelic furs. Or I, lo- I mean, I love those hit the hits from. All those songs you just mentioned, yeah, those are so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's easy. It's easy to kind of uh, splash around. You, I, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, we tend to get a little nerdy with like people's educational backgrounds here, just because I find it fascinating. Because I, frankly, hate schools, even though I run one. But I want to talk a little bit about graphic design. You studied graphic design for a time, and you can you can like debunk or bunk any of this. But you studied a little bit of graphic design at Loyola. Is, is the history book correct on that? Mm-hmm. What, what was that like? I mean, that was was were you like Lotus one two three? What was what was graphic design like at that time? That, that sounds I mean, pretty I, Byzantine. You know, like I, you know, in high school, I um I, I was always into like visual arts. I liked photography, drawing, um, just you know anything associated, you know, film, and but I was never like a fine artist. I couldn't. I wasn't like. There was always like one kid in the school who who was who could draw amazingly. I was I wasn't that kid, but I was I had general interest in it, and I thought that graphic arts was a way to combine all all those interests into a commercially viable degree. <laughs> <laughs> the way you and, said uh, it, it sounds like a guidance counselor said that, or that's like ripped from a, yeah, bo- a well, brochure. Yeah, I, I, I th- I I thought like well I'm not going to be a painter uh, I'm not going to be like a fine art painter and I I have to get a job I feel like my middle class uh, upraising designed me to go to college and to get a job so yeah, I was yeah. thinking you know pragmatically like a guidance counselor like like where is this going to end up so I to me you know without really knowing anything I just thought well maybe graphic arts would be I could get a job, but still do art stuff in a different way. You know, I didn't really know. <laughs> well, it also sounds and, like cool, you know, like graphic. That word, I'm not to sound funny about it, but there's something about that word, like graphic arts or graphic design. There is something like graphic yeah, novel about it. Yeah, it is kind of magnetic to a, to a young guy, a young gal, certainly. Yeah, I know. It sounds like serious and you're grown up. Yeah. and <laughs> You're graphic. You know, like, I guess <laughs> whatever, whatever I've learned is just... You know, beyond, you know, it was like, it was before computers really took over graphic design. So, I mean, what I learned is probably what they were doing during Mad Men times, you know, just like <laughs> exacto, exacto knives and right. Right. <laughs> markers and stuff like that. So um, yeah. it, it was sort of like that. And it was it was good, but, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like I found my calling. Well, I think, you know, getting your hands on something is value, literally. You know, I think back in my early short films like tape splices and cement splices. There is something to be said about getting out of your head and into your hands. And obviously, you know, with the guitar, I would imagine, yeah, yeah. allows you yeah. as well. Even though it's a meditative, it seems very meditative from my point of view. Is there something about that, like forms that get you out of your head? Has that, has that been a kind of byproduct of what attracts you? Um, yeah, you know, like I, I work with engineers all the time who, uh, you know, some of them still are, are grew up learning on machines and I think it informs their way of recording and the way they, you know, do music. And, um, I think like when you handle art that way, it, it's like a different way of you know, yeah, it's physical and it's not just like something in a in a computer screen. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was it, it was definitely like 
a cool, fun thing to do. Oh, we're talking with James Eha. Before we get to the the composing pieces, I want to talk a little bit about movies, just in, in a kind of different way, as I see them kind of reflected in in your triptych. I was thinking, you know, you have such a one of my favorite. Well, a couple you're you've authored and or midwifed a couple of my favorite recent music videos. One. Uh, to to who knows where the, off your second album uh, look to the sky which is because I'm a huge the man who felt earth fan I'm a huge Nick Rogue fan I think he's one of the, the young sung geniuses sounds uh, right you know and yes. also well just also to locate it it turned forty this year it's it's such a cool cool looking movie and, and kind <laughs> of is. insane yeah and <laughs> and strange like a lot of like <laughs> experimental films. Uh, <laughs> With rock star actors in them. Um, have you ever seen performance? Have you seen uh, with uh, I've, I, you know, I've I, I've only seen bits and pieces of that as well. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'd be curious to hear what you think of that on two levels. One, it philosophically actually gave birth to music videos. Many people locate the birth of music videos there. There's a song "Memo to Turner." I don't know if you know that Stone song. And right. in the middle of the film, the film sort of stops, and they um, they do the full song with costumes, which you could say is kind of a music video. But these films, and, and I don't, you know, for you to have like a photo, like this kind of piecemeal memory about them makes sense because these films are kind of films you that are on in people's houses when you go to parties. You know, they're hard to sit down and watch in a way. They're, they're very, right, and right. it worked really well in a music video because it, for, it, it, it scrambled your brain in a kind of interesting way, the way you guys treated it. Yeah, I think like, you know, like films like that, or you know, like uh, you know, I don't know. To my '80s suburban mind, yeah, you know, it was very strong material, but it it wasn't like I, I couldn't follow it or process what, <laughs> what was going on in a lot of those films, or like like a Warhol film or something like that. But it's it certainly seemed like inspirational. Another video that that just jumps out at me thinking about you and your work is uh, the video for Tonight Tonight uh, with the Pumpkins, 1995, mm -hmm. just because I'm a bit of a movie geek and that's a Mel Yes, Wet Dream, right. uh, that film Voyage to the Moon. Um, great video, one of the great videos, I think, of any vintage, Jonathan Drayton, uh, Valerie Farris. Talk a little bit about that. Were you familiar with George Mel Yes? Did they introduce the concept? Was it a quick sell when you, when you thought of the concept? I, I probably... I probably took, I, I mean, I took a film class and I probably heard about it then, but I, I don't think I'd watched it either, you know. I don't think I had, you know, like back in the dark ages, there was <laughs> obviously no, you, there was no YouTube. And if you wanted to see something like that, either somebody, either a film teacher had to show it to you or you had to go to like, you know, some artsy kind of video store right. in downtown Chicago. Um, so... I, I'd only heard it or saw stills of it, and um, um, when we're um, looking for video directors, they um, we had we had done we'd at least done one video with them. Um, was it at least one? I can't I can't remember. But you know they had they had the the concept for that using that film as as a concept and obviously creating like. They had like backdrops made, and um, they were they're really great, incredible people, and the songs great, um, obviously, and um, or maybe not obviously. The <laughs> people aren't fans, but, but uh, you know what? Let but, me uh, say it's yeah, a great song. You know, it, Come it, on. All, it all it all came together. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing that we're. Uh, lucky enough to be allowed to do. Yeah, James, see, I think you're right. It it worked despite the song, basically, is what we're saying here. That Are you insane? <laughs> no. It's an amazing... I mean, anyway, I know you're being uh, modest, but I think that kind of video crystallizes the miracle. Like, when it happens and connects, it's kind of a beautiful... I heard you um, talking once about the uh, big country video in a big country, about, you know, <laughs> going through the details of it. And there is something about... The de the a, a music video that works is is a is a work of art. I mean, and that sounds a little cheesy, I guess. But are, are do you yeah, do you lament that this is like kind of the, like ebbed great, away from the great that? ones? Are I feel like the great ones are, you know, they're kind of like random how they came about. I mean, I obviously it starts with the song. Right. The song's terrible, 
probably it's going to be a hard watch to get through. Um, but if the song's great and somehow, you know, the budget, the right director and concept comes through, it just it's funny how like I feel like a lot of those early videos and probably some of the '90s videos were just kind of they just kind of randomly came together, right. you know. Right. And um, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't say that that video tonight tonight was random. I mean, they're they're really pro directors and they knew what it was going to come out like. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it, it came about during that time that, that heyday of that sort of video. Well, I, I think, you know, in that case, if we want to split the difference, there are always limitations. I think, you know, most viewers of videos don't un, don't see that because they see the beauty. You know, the, the funny kind of uh, word on the street about that video was the, the costuming that Jim Cameron was making Titanic and, and they were having trouble finding period costumes for the video. So, again, mm-hmm. even even an artifact like fact like that. It's not. I know, never. I never. I never knew that. That seems to be the word on the street. That's why maybe it should stay on the street. Okay. I I did not hear that. It's it's entirely possible, but I I didn't hear that. I'll follow it's up. Great, and, and no, it is cool. I think let's make it a fact. Um, we're talking to Jihad. I want to talk a little bit about you know you're through the other end of this uh, tube now. You're working. Uh, as a composer, obviously not exclusively, but I want to talk a little bit about the timing of it because you had done a couple of films. Uh, the mm-hmm. the you know Linda Linda Linda, which sounds like a Seinfeld movie. You know those fake movie titles on Seinfeld, like Rochelle Rochelle, right. um, Linda Linda Linda. I'm teasing. I haven't seen the film, but you had done three films. What were those early experiences like? Obviously, it didn't scare you away from composing at all. Did you enjoy those um, first forays? I, I, you know, I've liked the idea of doing music for picture and, um, I, those kind of just came to me and, uh, I, I had a studio in Manhattan and, um, the, the three people involved in those films all, all were fans in some way of either my old band or my solo work and came to me and, um, um, I, I had a great time working on those and I, I was mostly just producing bands and working on my own stuff. And I, I had a record label during the, uh, the two thousands. Um, and, um, there's just kind of my first experience doing, doing that sort of thing and kind of working with, you know, older <laughs> versions of pro tools and stuff right, that right. are not as like, they're a little more clunky compared to today, and um, yeah, it, it, they were great. But I, I actually didn't know how to become a composer because they just kind of came to me and then they left. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, you, it's a great. That's actually a great, interesting question. How does one compose? Come a composer because I think there's this mythology that you become one, but you are one. Like if you're asked to compose, it's like how do you become a filmmaker? You make a film. There's no certificate yeah yeah i mean like you know it's it's a completely different musical experience obviously because you're making music for these little scenes or vignettes or whatever it is and um it it obviously doesn't engage any of your like band rock sensibility but it's but at the same time you know you kind of know what the feeling is what they want and so it seems second nature in some ways and then totally like, oh, I've never made music like like this before. Right. I'll just I'll just do it. <laughs> and then you figure you figure it out. It, it's the knowing that sucks. You know, it's like Orson Welles talking about having the, the confidence of ignorance when he made Citizen Kane. You know, once you know, then then it then it sucks because you, you get constipated by the things you know you can and can't do so let's talk about the first step tv working with deadbeat they hired you did you think you had to do homework on how did you watch tv did you think oh i don't know how this works or did you just kind of jump Um, in i you know it's like a kind of like a stoner detective uh, um ghost chased comedy yeah yeah no that's a, that old saw yeah 
(laughs) So, yeah, you know, I I hadn't really made much of that kind of music, but you just... you just kind of figure it out. Um, <laughs> Watch a couple of Hodorowsky films, and there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's references to, like, you know, it could be, like, Scooby-Doo or things like that. Um, so there, there are some references. It's just you just sort of have to do it in your—you you do it in your own way, and you figure out pretty quickly what's what's bad and— um, and then, like, oh, this is great. This will totally work for this scene. Mm-hmm. And you just figure it out. Um, it just, I don't know, you know, it, it really is a, a strange musical experience to sort of, like, be playing in bands for a really long time, and you're always going towards this type of songwriting and sound, and then you're just, it's like somebody picks you up and puts you in a a completely different sensory deprivation environment with you know you and a monitor and a computer and you just have to make music up in this totally different setting well a, a lot of the, the feeling. A, a lot of the established mu- uh, musicians who go into composing the, the one barrier that they find most challenging because again i think it works right in against what you're saying is time how do you work with time is that a liberating thing to work with time, or is that kind of a buzzkill to say I need a piece of music to cover a credit sequence, or is that all just baked into the process? You know, I it's you either accept, you either accept it or you don't. I mean, like I think film is is more open. You know, uh, deadlines and things seem to be more a little more relaxed or, or you're given more time tv is more hectic yeah and um it's like a conveyor belt tv is t- yeah tv is a conveyor belt of music and um i don't mind you know i i i kind of see it as a challenge and it's 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 either just get into it or you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know um yeah, yeah yeah so i i i kind of appreciate the craftsmanship and the and the worker mentality of like solving uh, a problem like that, where you have to come up with, you know, there's like 25 cues, and you have a week to do it, and and you're getting revisions and notes on top of it. Yeah, it's just like part of the gig. And then and then you know, you do that for a couple months, and then it's over. You know, the whole project is over until it gets picked up or not picked up. Right. So it's a different kind of hangover. I mean, what is that collaboration like? Do you, do you, I mean, there are different forms, you know, getting notes from a studio and, uh, you know, we don't have to name studios, but getting notes from a studio versus getting notes from a director, that's a different kind of note. You know, I would imagine one goes down a little softer. I mean, you just, I'm not trying to make, you seem so nice. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see where it doesn't work for you, you know, but uh, you sound like an amazing collaborator. I, I think you would be a dream collaborator. Um, but do you like all the chefs in the kitchen with you? I guess that's the kind of question. I mean, you know, again, it. I I, I know there are, some uh, composers who are more like artists and um, I, you know, I, I think it just depends on the project. Right. Right. If, if, if it's something very high minded and very, everything is subjective, every, you know, angle, every instrument, you know, everything is subjective, then you can kind of come at it more artistically, but, you know, if you have a week and you just have to do these cues, you just have to do it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, you get these notes. You just have to, you just have to, you know, take their notes and say, oh, I guess there's like um, it's too much stuff in this cue. I'm just going to have to pull out the bass, take out the drums, maybe just keep the kick drum in, and I'll, I'll just pick out these parts. I think th- this is what they like about the cue. Right, right. You know, and then you just you're on to and then the next one, and you don't even remember what you just did because you're just doing that all the <laughs> that's all the time. A, that's exactly so, you know. Yeah, you know, it can yeah. be it can be it can be both. You know, you can be creating this, you know, this in, incredible piece of music, or you can just be you know in the in the kitchen, just like 
churning out stuff. You know, I, I think they're both kind of cool and for different for different reasons. They they satisfy, you know, art business in my mind in in different ways. And you know, I I think they're they're both challenging and you know it, it really depends on the project too you know? well i would imagine uh, mother may i sleep with danger which um was uh, you know the, the public was clamoring for the remake obviously um and this was the 20th anniversary <laughs> right 20th anniversary remake um which was i thought it was really great fun and i also love you know i always tell my students that if their first film is a horror film it's a great way to learn how to, films are made you know if you look at evil dead you can understand how a movie gets made. You know, w- when you look at, you know, doing something with that kind of style, like a genre piece, was that especially cool? Or was, was you know, we're about to have Cl- uh, Claudio Simonetti on um, on the show. He's uh, one of the brains of Goblin who did Suspiria, and I was re-watching it the other night and, and thinking... Oh, that, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing stuff. But, I, I love that. And you, yours is, I mean, amazing stuff. So I guess playing with those genre paintbrushes was that kind of cool i mean does that is that a fun thing was that a creative process for you just in general yeah i mean you know i i think you know i think my my agent will tell me i think she told me i think this one's in your wheelhouse (laughs) (laughs) it stars tori spelling (laughs) Yes. Well, just 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 musically, genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like, I mean, there are there are things that come my way that are more challenging. You know, that I'm <laughs> I'm probably not the first person you think of to do certain kind of music. But <laughs> well, that, you stole my thought, and your agent can keep the ten percent that comes of this question. Are there is there a <laughs> filmmaker you know on a fantasy level that you think the images really are in your kind of that, that you know, when you look at a film and you think, oh, you know, the Lynchian motifs or the Sofia Coppola motif. I mean, these are all great filmmakers. But is there a style of film that you feel mm-hmm. creatively you would get off on? And again, you, your agent can keep the ten percent that comes to this job. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I like like a lot of people. I, I like a lot of different, you know, kinds of movies. Um, you know, some of those movies you mentioned are things I consider like in my wheelhouse. You know, um, indie indie drama, indie indie films like that. Um, something fun and crazy like Mother May I is 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 like that too. The the James Franco film we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, conducting like writing for a sixty piece orchestra and doing like Downton Abbey that's not in my wheelhouse <laughs> let me write that you know, down are, <laughs> yes yeah. I took a note a, on that there are a lot of uh, <laughs> well there are a lot of compo- composers who come from a classical background and right. I obviously didn't I I don't have that I have I came from the school of rock so it's you know um well, to, I, I've done yeah or, or, orchestral pieces but there are obviously guys who can do that who do that really incredibly well to wit we just had mark mothersbaugh on the show and he's doing the new thor movie um which i thought was a kind of interesting uh revelation would you ever do a big like dookie avengers part seven movie would that be in your wheelhouse i hate this expression but i'm going to go with it for you <laughs> because i think you know i know i i started hearing that when i moved to la like oh we should have a talk about I the mean, la expressions yeah is that one you've been hearing because my favorite is let's put a pin in it um you know let's put <laughs> a pin heard, i haven't heard that lately oh, but that's God. that's yeah anyway that's good that's a good one yeah yeah um let's let's take a step back you know a lot of these like half measures but would you do like a like avengers part seven or thor part 22 would would that be kind of fun turn for you sure sure i'd 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 definitely make it happen cool i'll draw up the papers i'll draw go go there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it it's it's fun to work on you know stuff like that. I, I haven't worked on a big action film, but um, well, your blush response—you know—to quote Blade Runner—is amazing. You don't seem to bet. I wouldn't imagine you would back away from anything. I haven't detected any hesitancy. I don't. I mean, this is our first connection, but you seem like you're 
you're like a scalpel, like you would go in and do the thing you were asked to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've never been described uh, as a scalpel, but you know, I think if you're a working musician, you you've got to, you know, like coming being a, a guy who who's been in um, a big band in the '90s, and then you just you're not in that band anymore. Like, what do you do? I I think like a lot of people, you just have to make up uh, that second act, and you just have to. You know, you have. To, I feel like you have to do a lot of things as a musician nowadays. I, I don't think you have to be a total sellout, but I think you have to be open and not not like really tightly wound up in like what your experience was as like, you know, you know, like oh James, the guy from that band, uh, he would never do this or he w- he wouldn't do a TV show like this or something like that. Right, I, right. I, I think it's I think it's boring to sort of like hem yourself in like that i i i think you have to have it'd be nice if if like artists always had their eye on like what's your end goal here what's where's your soul at or what's your favorite thing at i mean some bands and artists they don't they don't give a fuck you know they're kind of like they just want to like you know make make music and in in a way that I, f- I feel like they're not they don't really have references or they didn't grow up uh, listening to a certain band and wanting to emulate that they just want to like rock and I don't think you should be you should be closed up and not open to doing you know working with this artist or working on this type of TV show you know I mean artists are just people and you just need to like you need to work you need to Try things, I, I, find other things. You know, I, you know, and I, I think that's yeah. like like you're saying that's been proven. Before we let you go, James uh, Eha here on Murmur, I want to thank did you. That, f- did that did, I, did my long thing just make sense? I was like, what am I talking about? <laughs> no, it didn't. L.A. just called me and said you'll you're not going to be working again. This is it. This is the, <laughs> so. Say what you like. I got a text from Los Angeles. Um, the, I you know, man, it's like almost a law. I can't let you leave without just talking a little bit about your birthday this year, which kind of screwed everything up for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in LA and you did uh, a performance with some of your old friends uh, at the Ace. Uh, okay, okay. I'm sorry, man. Um, I just, I know, I know I'm a little elliptical. So, sorry. I just didn't want to throw like Smashing Pumpkins questions at you because it's so boring but i wanted to look at it like in the sense in the sense of time this year on your birthday actually that was the coincidence you were in la and you jumped on stage uh and did some songs that we know and love with with billy and jimmy was there Uh, what what, can can you just do a little chicken or egg was that just like uh, billy reaching out i mean i don't want to get into the the nitty-gritty that's your business but i'm just curious like when did the light bulb go on let's let's look look at it metaphorically a little bit um you know i um he and i just um we, we we reconnected and you know we met up and I don't think there was any like it wasn't like um he or I were weren't trying to like getting together just you know to do shows or to to do something it was just more to reconnect and um um we we met up had had a great time talked you know um you know and when you when you when you have something like that that kind of history with somebody and then it you know you have a falling out or whatever with someone it's still kind of like a tentative thing so um you know a little time went by and um they had they had a tour set up and um um you know and he he was wondering if I could do um if he 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 offered if if I wanted to play with them and um I was actually working on the 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 James Franco movie doing the score for that um uh but uh 
uh, the LA shows I, I could I could play at. So um, right. you know, I, I we just figured out a short set that I could reasonably learn and um, finishing that movie, and then I would just go off and try to remember the songs. <laughs> and, and 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 not only the the put, put, not only put, the stuff put you pedal got... board together and <laughs> put a pedal board together and like. You know, just like restring a guitar. And I'm like, Fuck, I don't, I don't have time to do this. But I, mean, I, or I don't have time. I don't. I don't have time to string my guitar. I gotta get. I gotta get all this stuff happening. And then, yeah. you know, we did one sound. Did one sound check, and then there, there I was. But yeah, you know, it was it was really great, and um, it was hectic and 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 stressful. But uh, you know, it, it's. Great, great to play with the band and Billy. So it, it was a beautiful thing. And, and the beautiful thing, which rarely happened multiple times, happened a couple of weeks later again in Chicago. Was that a little more premeditated, or is that again serendipity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. We were just figuring out maybe if I should, if I could do another show in Chicago. And yeah, where would be the most meaningful place to do it? Obviously, is there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah. Besides that first show and her first couple in L.A. Dude, so, sorry to say, man, but I get goosebumps even thinking about your goosebumps. Like, did you? Did, how did it, I know this sounds really totally trite? How did it feel for you? Forget all the ancillary. How did it feel? How did it feel for you, being there playing the songs, with the crowd, like you know, reminiscing and just not reminiscing, but just how did that effing feel, my friend? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I on a subjective um, level. I'm sorry to. Just, I, I wasn't really. Yeah. I, honestly, I wasn't really. I was more worried about the songs and uh, remembering whatever I was going to play because I had such a short amount of time to remember this stuff. Yeah. And there's a, yeah. guitar changes, electric, uh, acoustic, and I think I really wasn't thinking much. I think it's like you know, like when you hear sports players saying, to, "You know, hey man, I was just trying to be, you know, be in the moment, yeah, yeah. see the ball." <laughs> that that kind of thing. Um, so I didn't really feel it till maybe afterwards, and then I was like, "Oh, that was a beautiful thing." <laughs> I could feel the heightened sense of everything, but I was really trying. My focus was very narrow as far as what I was concentrating on. I think if you get self conscious, like you're not going to hit the baseball, you're not going right. to be able to run through these guys. It's more like when you're just it's pure instinct that you're just. You're you're able to fly through stuff, and the, I feel like that that's why they always say it's like it's in your mind, not necessarily your body. Well, like when they when they really perform at a high level, uh, you you've always performed at a high level, by the way, and I'm going to say that because you don't want me to say it, so that's why I'm Very saying it. complimentary. I, I don't remember it that way, but thank you. Well, well just <laughs> the, the last thing, and again, the tea leaves, and I'm almost legally mandated to ask because Billy has gone a little further, you know, you know, he, what I love about Billy's announcements about all this on Facebook is he's kind of making fun of the fact that announcements come out like this, but you could see how giddy he is. You know, he, he went mm -hmm. on, on Facebook and it was, uh, it, it was Darcy's birthday. Actually, he wished her happy birthday on Facebook. I don't know if you, you caught that. And he was just, he waxed I, really sweet about, did you see the thing he posted on Facebook on Darcy's birthday? I, I I did not. I I you know, somebody was looking at my iPhone. I don't I don't have any music. What's wrong with you, man? Anything like I I I got I have so much music through my life that now I've gotten into sports. It's it's and sports and just getting into podcasts a little bit now. I, I, what's next? Golf? Are you going to, I mean, what's wrong with you? No, 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 not, not golf. <laughs> That's <laughs> that there's some lines that can't be crossed, but you know, there's definitely no. like, like the, the, the entropy is kind of, you know, the, the gods of good music are kind of emerging again this year. You know, if you step back as a geek for a second, has this been a cool year or I guess is 2017 looking like there's going to be some fun, creative, cool stuff. Maybe, you know, with with some old friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a little um, little early, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the next couple of years will be should be uh, should be good ones. I I can't I can't really preempt it. Uh, I can't preemptively say what it is, but right. I 
I think there'll be cool stuff. We start as fans, and and I I think you you're the the legacy of art, not just with the pumpkins, but all the work you've done, the the choices you've made. I, I are, I'm fascinated by, and I I just wish you all the best. And you know I I think oh, thank I, you thank you, you very much. You're very kind. You you may not sus- you may not suspect you're brave, but I I think you are because it's easy to curl up in a ball and say you know this was then and you know somebody somebody. Um, some uh, a, a fan came up to me and said said something like like I'm so glad you're you're still doing music and sort of I don't know if they said persevering but like after I left I, I turned to a friend I'm like well what else am I going to do I, I I'm not really good at anything else <laughs> yeah yeah I have I have to do something but thank thank you for <laughs> thank you for that maybe it's my just my uh, viewpoint. Well, you know, I, I think myopia is underrated. So here's to uh, more myopic uh, plans in your life, and I wish you all the best with everything. Uh, James Eha, thank you for being oh. here on Murmur, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, great, great podcast, by the way. Thank you, brother. Uh, we'll, I really like it. We'll catch up with you again. Be well. One thing um, I really like, I mean, so much of what he said it's right on on this target of how we view the things that have inspired us and the people who have inspired us and more more specifically the artists and the works of art um yeah i love the phrase he used a second act having a second act you know uh i think life has multiple acts uh, that may sound semantic sort of a question of semantics but I love the fact that he said sort of creatively we need the second act and he's we have to build it to two-way street with someone like James it's sort of a two-way street he has to build it and we have to accept it you know with any artist uh you could do both you can blaze new ground and and respect the ground you arose from but I think sometimes fans don't allow that growth. Sometimes friends don't allow that growth. It's sort of that small town syndrome, you know, people trying to leave their roots and being condemned for it. There's a there's a sort of harmony. There may be a balance. You could do both. Uh, the other thing, I mean, he said so much, but another thing he said that is just leaping out of me as we're talking here, um, when I asked him if he had seen Billy Corgan's Facebook posting on Darcy's birthday and James said no and and you know it's kind of funny if you read that on a piece of paper that he had said no it would seem very cold and dismissive but if you listen the way he said it it's it's almost the Luddite in him you know that he doesn't really he's kind of wrestling with the storage on his iPhone and he's he's you know the you know the music storage capacity is short-circuiting him and you know so he simply didn't connect to it electronically so again you know it's that it's that kind of stuff i mean we talk a lot about the disconnection between learning things through art uh i always look at teaching as you know my job as a teacher is not to teach you what to think it's to teach you how to think you know the rigor the 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 basic strategy for building a house then you can build whatever you want to build out of that but it's it's interesting you know we assume so much maybe that's it maybe we assume too much maybe we think too much well i know we think too much i know i think i don't think too much of course but uh you know i think when it comes to the things we love they become, as Joni Mitchell said, like tattoos. You know, songs are like tattoos. Maybe I'm alone in this. I I don't know. I I think, again, the way I look at movies has definitely affected my life. And that's a form of news. And maybe that's something I need to keep modulating as I grow. Because I hope I'm not done growing. Gosh, is this the end? Have I have I peaked? <laughs> I I don't think so. You know, I do. I love doing murmur because I want to know things. And when I don't want to know something, I don't do murmur anymore. So hopefully 
I'll keep not knowing. We want to thank uh, James Eha for being with us today, uh, not knowing with us. It's always it's always great to hear from the authors themselves how they make what they make of the past. So thank you to James. 